This is The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We are your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. This week on The Mud Peddlers, we are talking teaching stuff. Yeah, didn't someone leave a comment and they wanted to know about the teaching stuff? It was in our three-year episode. Also, uh, thank you guys for... No, rating! Rating! rating, The word's rating. Rating! Thank you guys for rating the Mud Peddlers on Spotify, by the way. I just checked the other day and it was all like 62 people sent five stars. Oh my god! Technically speaking, the Mud Peddlers, thanks to your efforts, is a five-star podcast. Yay! Yay! We're coming for Joe Rogan next. Oh my god! I want his head... On a platter, so I can dab it at every morning <laughs> as I leave. I'm kidding. Anyway, teaching. Anyway, teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to start teaching classes soon at IMCO, International Mineral Company. Third is Industrial. My... In- in- I'm sorry. In- in- international. international. There is an international mineral company. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Why I'm confused. But yeah, Industrial Mineral Company on uh, in Old Florin. I'm going to start August 3rd. I tried to make the prices for the classes relatively competitive. But it's a month worth of classes, which mm-hmm. realistically, and we're going to get into it. Yeah, yeah. It's not enough time a month worth of classes. Yeah, yeah. That's like, so essentially, I think what I what I want us to cover on this episode, so you, my dear listener, can have a sense of what you're getting into, is talking through kind of a bunch of the different aspects of teaching. Like, why, why teach in the first place? You know, how to balance teaching time with production time. Kind of some, like, tips for, like, curriculum development, or at least how we've approached it in the past. Because I haven't done a lot of teaching myself, but I will share the, my experience with teaching a wheel-throwing class at Verge. Yeah. And then, of course, you'll you'll talk about your upcoming classes. So, uh, yeah. I, I've been online teaching for years, technically. Yeah. But it's far more catered. And it's, right. And it's repeatable, mm. which is what I like. If you want to learn how to, how to choke a cylinder or collar a cylinder, it's like... I could watch that video all day long. Yeah. You know, and it took me maybe three hours to produce it, maybe a full day to, to like put it through the editing process, get uh-huh. the music and whatnot. But after that, like you can keep going back to that class. Yes. Class. Yeah. But with the classes that you're teaching in real life, it's like, unless you record it, you're kind of getting a one shot. Yeah. You're just getting far more concentrated instruction. Mm-hmm. And, and the ability to ask and get responses like... Immediate. Immediate, yes, exactly. Yeah. I have two people signed up already. I'm nice. very excited about these two people. I'm not going to lie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One person messaged me. She's like, I've only taken the beginner classes. Is it cool if I take intermediate? And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm probably going to go over some beginning stuff and call it intermediate. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah? My brain's definition of intermediate seems to be other people's definition of advanced. Yeah, that's fair. I think that when I start to teach an intermediate class, it's going to be like high beginner. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, you know? so, so tell me... Tell me a little bit, because I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but I want to go into like more detail. Yeah. So tell me for you, like, what is your, what's your personal definition of intermediate? And then how are you going to structure the class to be like a high beginner class? I'm going to give you all four stages. Okay. Because that used to be three. It used to be like beginner, intermediate, advanced. Right. And, but like, since I've been looking at the scale of what other people learn in a certain time frame. Um, and I, also, where have you been? Where have you been learning that? Like, where have you been looking to kind of get a sense of what other people view as intermediate or advanced? Oh, just online. People will say like, "This is an intermediate." La la la. And I'm like, "Oh, okay." No. Oh. Mm, interesting. <laughs> like, That's okay. a beginner thing for sure. Like throwing off the hump is intermediate to me. Mm-hmm. But I've, I'm reading books that are like, "That's advanced." And I'm like, "Is it advanced?" Throwing off the hump seems relatively intermediate to me. Anyway, mm. I'll get into it later. Yeah, but yeah. I added the level of baby Potter. Baby Potter is like, <laughs> you don't know anything. Like, yeah. You know how to maybe center. You know how to wedge. 
but you're really bad at any form. Like, you can't throw a straight anything for anything. Yeah. Um, and you're still experimenting, mm-hmm. right? A beginning potter to me is someone who is either learning or has learned all the base shapes. And when I say base shapes, I mean, you probably know how to throw an okay cylinder, relatively mm-hmm. straight. You might not be the greatest at pulling. You have certain clay bodies you stick to. You can't work with just like any clay off the, you know, off the shelf, you yeah. know, but you know how to throw a cylinder, a bowl, you know how to attach clay through scoring and slipping. You know how to make a plate. Mm-hmm. You can probably make a jar you can probably make a teapot and you can use all the tools. A there. teapot? A teapot. As a beginner. Yes. I'm glad you're adjusting your expectations. At the end of, <laughs> at the, well, the reason I do that is because all of it is, um, as I said before, it builds upon itself, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like. If you learn how to wedge and center clay, you now know how to throw on the wheel. Once you learn how to open a well and make a proper cylinder, maybe like three inches high maximum, that's a teacup after you trim that. Yeah. You put a handle on that, that's a mug, right? You put, uh, you throw an upside down, once you learn how to throw a bowl, Mm -hmm. you know how to throw a bowl. If I teach you how to throw an upside down bowl, that's a lid. Once I teach you how to make a gallery, okay, you know how to throw a bowl. Let's make it a bit thicker. Okay, a bowl with a gallery and an upside down bowl. A gallery being a spot where the lid goes. Yes, yes. Once you know how to do that, you can make a jar. And then after you know how to make a jar, you put a handle and a spout on it as a teapot. You know, like, if I teach you the base things, you can combine those techniques to make another thing. And that's all the beginner stuff. Okay, so someone who identifies, if by your metric, someone who identifies as a beginner is someone who... Bowls, cups. Yeah, yeah, plates, yeah. Okay. Jars. Yeah. At the end of that, maybe a teapot. Yeah. Okay. Those are like the base shapes. Okay. The reason that I need you to know the base shapes before we move on to intermediate is because the intermediate stuff talks about how to play with those base shapes. Like in the intermediate phase, mm-hmm. you understand how to make a bottle. I teach you how to make a bottle when you're intermediate. In okay. order to make a bottle, you have to know how to choke a cylinder. Yeah. We should be talking about that in the mm-hmm. intermediate phase, how to choke and collar things, right? Yeah. We should also be talking about how to make a proper lip and how it's mm-hmm. smooth and how it affects people drinking out of the bottle and or cup. Mm-hmm. How to make curves a little bit more uh, ergonomic to the human body. Right. Things of that nature. I'm also going to teach you why your clay twists. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. That's a really based one that everybody loves because everyone has trouble with it, but no yeah. one understands why. Yeah, to be honest, I don't even really know. It's just a Other than it's just like higher, like when you, it's like when, you, when you've pulled too much clay, it's like it, 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 it twists. twists. It's a yeah. difference in speed. Yeah. And that's all that is. Yeah. And pressure based on the clay body. But like, that's literally it. But no one thinks about that. Right. So once you tell them, they're like, oh, uh, because the wheel's spinning at a certain speed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And my hands are technically putting friction on it, which is stopping the upper part that I'm pulling from going just as fast. And it, in fact, it does twist. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, there's yeah. a speed difference. Yeah. Right, and that's it. Yeah, we, we talk about a bunch of stuff in the intermediate. And once we get to, like, high intermediate, we're going to start talking about presentation of your work. Right. We're going to start talking about, here's a mug. Okay, here's a mug where I've put a high end, like, you know, a little line at the bottom of feet. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about how this looks and how it feels to you. Mm-hmm. Most people go, when you put a line there, it feels more up more elegant, as if it's lifted on a small pedestal. Right. And I go, okay, it feels that way for these reasons. So now, more more into the, like, aesthetics. Yes. Okay. Aesthetics and transferring those aesthetics to the way you feel about art. Mm. Because ultimately the way art is interpreted by most human beings is how it makes them feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that we start talking, like, you know, you ever see the example of somebody drew a, a, a circle with a bunch of undulations on it, and then someone got, like, a fork next to it, and they go, which one's Kiki. And everyone goes, the fork is Kiki. And they go, oh, right? yes, And yes, they go, yes, yes. that's art. That's interpretation yeah, of art. There's yeah, a yeah. reason why human beings have a usually cultural and also uh, kind of like a 
Pictionary version of that's why that one's named Bob. Oh yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. why that one's named Kiki. Okay, let's talk about why that is. Right, right. And why that's different across all cultures based on cultural experience. And that's what we talk about in like the high intermediate to low advanced portion. When you're in advanced, you're doing stuff that like you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> like you're, yeah. Um, okay, because okay, so it's a month of classes. It's a month of classes. How how many actual class dates are there? Like there's four. There's four. It's okay. one per week. It's on Thursdays. And we usually get about three and a half to four hours of, of work and lecture. Okay. So I'll be lecturing and demoing for about an hour. Mm-hmm. I'll come with a presentation. I brought a projector and I've made PowerPoints and all that. Nice. And we're going to, okay, today class, we're going to talk about the basic shapes. So the first class mm-hmm. of my class is talking about the basic shapes. Because if you're intermediate, I'm gonna, I, need you to, I need you to be on the shapes. Yeah. I need you to like, in order to be intermediate, you have to ba- make the basic shapes. Because we're going to start to play with the basic shapes. Mm-hmm. If you can't make the basic shapes, you can't play with them. Right. Right? So I also have kind of a backup plan. Because a lot of people go, I took the beginning classes. I'm intermediate now. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, let's make all the shapes. And they go, I can't make any of these shapes. Oh. <laughs> and then I go, okay, well, that then means that we have to review, which means that we're going to have to learn some of those shapes and why they're important to us. Right? So we're okay. going to have to go back a tiny bit. Right? Okay. I don't know how to score and slip. You're a beginner. Yeah. I don't know how to pull a handle. You're a beginner. Okay. Not to say you have to make a handle ever in your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not to say there aren't people making five foot faces. Oh, for sure, for who sure. Don't know how to pull handles. Yeah. But that's a skewed. That's a skewed uh, exception that I'd be like, he's clearly not a beginner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, he still cannot pull a handle. <laughs> yeah. He uses an extruder, which there's no shame on that. But like, we need. To, I need you to make a handle and then know how to score and slip it in order to make things with handles. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So first class is going to be kind of reviewing, reviewing some of the basic shapes. Skill review. Kind of skill sure. review. Okay. Okay. For sure. The next class is going to be working on if everything goes well in the first class. Mm-hmm. Like if everyone's like, I understand the basic shapes. Yeah. We're going to talk about troubleshooting. We're going to talk about why clay does things that it does. Mm. We're going to talk about clay platelets and how they align. We're going to talk about the structure in between short and long clay. Okay. And why that structure matters in the internal part of the clay. We're going to talk about cleaning up and down after wedging in order to make it a smoother experience. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about how to pull I wouldn't say properly, but how I pull and to get the most efficiency out of pulling. Mm-hmm. And we're also then going to talk about why your clay twists. Okay. And that's like, here's why we wedge. Here's how to make wedging better. Here's how we pull properly. When you pull, you're probably going to get twists. Here's how to make that go away. Okay. And then we're probably going to talk about a couple cheat codes on just how to make clay straight without you needing to really know those things. Oh, yeah. okay. Like straight isn't like when you're pulling cylinders, like getting yeah. a straight wall? Yeah, like counter, counter pressure is a thing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, where you like... You know, counter yeah. pressure. Yeah. And like, once you learn counter pressures, it's over. <laughs> like, okay. Well, okay. My thought, when you say counter pressure, my thought is like, since the wheel is spinning, mm-hmm. pieces kind of tend to want to flare outwards. So that counter pressure would be pulling inward. Kind so of. So that, that okay, but what, what do you mean by counter that, pressure? That was part of the pulling lesson. But what, what I mean by counter pressure is like, if I, if this is a cylinder, right? And this is my sports bottle and I put pressure on the outside with a tool uh-huh. and then pressure on the inside with my hand I'm pushing oh. and that creates very straight very patterned clay that just goes up regular style gotcha okay okay we might also have to talk about why clay goes up even though it's just squeezing and pressure yeah because some some beginners are still like how does the clay go up yeah and I'm like oh okay so you're there's certain there's certain things that like beginners and intermediates questions have yeah that I'm like okay so no one told you 
Yeah. Um, I feel bad saying this. That I've experienced whenever I go into other classrooms, not all of them, some of them though, I will notice the teacher will just be like, yeah, it's art. Make whatever, man. Mm. And then they'll just like go in their office and dig around. Yeah. And I'm sure you've experienced that too. Yeah. Right? And so I'm trying really hard to not do that, especially since the class is smaller. I can only have like seven students at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to like, here's how we do this. When we're all set and we're in practice mode, I'll be throwing with you because I want you to see me throwing. Mm -hmm. I'm also going to teach him some of the little Earth Nation tricks. You know, like I even out the clay by making the knuckle thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Yoshi was like, no one does this. And then I started doing it. I was like, this is bomb. This is good. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. And the higher intermediate stuff. So, like, the third class? Third and fourth classes. Okay. We need to start talking about how to play with shapes. Mm-hmm. We need to start talking about how the shape and the texture of your clay body affects your glazes. We are going to talk a little bit, a little bit, about what glazes are made out of. Okay. Uh, we're also going to talk about, like, how to, we need to know how to make bottles. Mm-hmm. right we need to do a little bit of decoration and how that translates into how people feel about our artwork mm-hmm. especially colors color theory is going to oh. be like maybe 30 minutes to class yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to be like red is seen as an angry color no way <laughs> that's how american culture goes red is seen but like we're also going to look at like okay in china it's seen as a royal color yeah right there's yeah. a difference in culture and we're going to have to talk about the interplay in between how we represent our artwork in different cultures yeah Right? And then the fourth class is going to be a f- party. <laughs> party. No. Um, so what is, so what, to what will we'll make the fourth class a party? Well, I'm hoping that everyone, I would like for everyone to get a project. I would very much, very, very, very much like to have a 30 minute art critique. Okay. Bring me one piece and we're going to have an art critique in the class. Is that something that the students will have made during your class or like a previous hopefully it's something that we've made during the class okay okay yeah because realistically it's only a month of class like yeah i mean that's that's a it sounds like you're really going to be packing in a lot though i'm gonna try to because when i took classes i took the beginner class twice and then i got to graduate they were like now you're ready for the intermediate class yeah uh and i had to do every class twice and every class was three to four months about four to five hours a week Mm -hmm. every week and then i had to take the classes twice and yosho was like you are not ready for yeah you know, so I kept going till I got to independent study, which is him going, you got to come up with like a project. Yeah. You yeah. got to do something that other people aren't doing and you better do it good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you alone. You're not, I'm not going to talk to you at all. You're just going to do it. But like a month worth of time is short. Yeah. So I'm going to try and cram it all in. I'm going to try really hard. But I think that if I teach them like this is why clay twists, mm-hmm. that's an inner, that's immediately intermediate knowledge that like beginners don't even they just go sometimes my clay twists when it's too wet <laughs> and then i'm like yeah kind of yeah and like what do you mean kind of and i'm like oh there's a reason it's twisting and you could probably very easily fix it but i would have to teach you how to properly pull first so that way you know what speed and consistency based on the clay body are using you know and then there's short and long clay mm-hmm. and those are terms that potters use yeah yeah that but i don't want to tell them like those are just terms i want to tell them these terms are based off of this and here's what's happening in the clay body. So I'm curious because, okay, so when I started teaching at, at Verge Center for the Arts, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I was concerned about was time management when I was actually in the studio working, like actually working with the students, because in some ways, to me at least, teaching in front of people kind of feels a bit like a performance. And like, cause I had, I had been a TA for like years. Like, so I, I have been volunteering or had been volunteering at Sacramento city college since like 2013 thereabouts. 
or taking classes and or volunteering uh, as a as a TA. But like I had never been responsible for controlling the flow of class. Like when, you know, when we start, like how to kind of get everyone's like attention together and how to, you know, when to take breaks, when to, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So managing the the time. So since you, this is going to be your first time teaching in person, right? Controlling the flow of time. Yes. Yeah. This is my first time doing it. Yeah. So how, do you have a sense of like how you're going to manage some of that? Yeah, there, there is a, a beginner in the very first class. I'm going to be like, I don't want headphones. I don't want phones. Mm-hmm. You can, we can have little breaks. Yeah. That, that's fine. But like, you're here to learn. You paid for the class. There's a, there's a dark part of me. That's like, you paid me. If you want to f- around the corner, go ahead. Yeah. Like I already have your money. I don't care. <laughs> but I want to make it valuable enough to where I can go. Like, I don't, I need you to listen. I need yeah. you to hear the sounds of the wheel turning. I need you to be looking at the art around you. I need you absorbing your environment, mm-hmm. especially in a classroom setting. And I need you paying attention in order to absorb the information I'm trying to give you. Yeah. If not, part of me is like, it's kind of disrespectful. The other part of me is like, you paid me to be here, bro. I'm just trying to help you out. Yeah. Something you know? tells me that will not be an issue because yeah, people are, people have paid for this class. Yeah. So. Like you, yeah. I was just going to, I was curious, like what made you want to teach in person? It was a very high demand for it. Yeah. And I saw the opportunity and I was like, it's going this way anyway. So Mm -hmm. this is just another seed to plant to me. Like this is another investment, like Patreon investment, YouTube advance investment, right? My website selling my work investment, right? This is another investment. Mm -hmm. This is another like, like this is another stream of income that I essentially have to do what I've been doing on YouTube just in person. And realistically, it's a bit easier because somebody has facilitated all the equipment for me. I don't have to edit. (laughs) I don't have to come up with any more than a lesson plan that I have to rotate out every couple months. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is some way in some ways easier than doing YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I can always do what some other people do and just record my classes. And that can be like YouTube content. Mm. Right. I don't, I don't think I'll be recording uh people. I'll just be yeah. recording myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. That's part of what I find interesting about, I guess, whether to teach or not, because it's something I've kind of gone back and forth on a lot and I think there are some advantages like you're talking about like you're you don't have to edit you don't have to do those other things but like also you do the YouTube video that's a one and done that can bring in residual income whether you're there or not yes you're teaching you have to physically be there in person teaching that class expending energy you know that time so like how how much are you getting paid for those classes and like what makes that like worth it for you as opposed to like, cause okay. So, cause part of the reason I s- started teaching at Verge, like I taught the one class, uh, beginning wheel throwing right before the pandemic started. And I, I had the opportunity to go back and start teaching again. And I was, I was kind of hesitant to, and I honestly just, I never have followed up on it because part of me was like, A class is not just three to four hours, right? There's the prep time developing the curriculum. There's the getting to the studio, going from the studio, setup, cleanup. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be, if you have a three hour class, realistically, it's probably going to be four and a half to five hours Mm -hmm. of your actual time, right? So in my head, part of why I wanted to, or part of why I wasn't as interested in pursuing teaching, and again, like, there's so many different aspects to this, but it's like, how many pieces could I make in five hours and how much could I sell those for versus how much money I would be making getting teaching? And it was kind of like, well, I could make more money just by spending that time making more pieces. 
as opposed to the money that I'd be getting from teaching. However, teaching now, if I ever wanted to do more teaching in the future and, you know, or, or do like workshops, it would be like you're saying an investment because you can have on your CV that your, your resume that you have been, you know, you've been teaching at an actual in-person place. Yes. And, and also it's, for me, it's the amounts of like energy versus theoretical money. Like that's my equation, right? So my equation is essentially if I make a hundred pieces and I sell every piece for, I'm going to lowball it. Yeah. Let's say 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. Right. And I sold all those pieces. That's a lot of ifs in play. That's a lot of like, Mm. that's a lot of theoretical money. Like these are all worth this amount, but I don't have that amount. I have to put the description up. I have to take the pictures. I have to put them on the website. Then I have to package them. I have to have packing peanuts and boxes. Those all cost little bits of energy, money, and time Mm -hmm. in which I'm fine with doing. But they they do take separate – multiple separate miniature jobs. Mm. As for showing up to my 9 to 5 job is I show up and I do the thing that honestly occurs very naturally for me. Yeah. Playing Drake, telling people they're dumb, fixing their problems. (laughs) And uh, then I sign out and they hand me a piece of paper that allows me to get little uh, green people with slave owners on them that I transfer for value (laughs) in society. Yeah. Uh, More recently, it's just been numbers on a plastic thing. But like teaching is kind of the same way for me where if I just show up and do the thing that kind of like occurs very naturally to me, Mm. then like I could just, you know, I'm just like, this is easy. You could just do the thing. Yeah. I just do the thing. Oh, God. Also, my side point, because I've calculated this, is that. I get paid a certain amount of money every single day and they take taxes out of it, yeah. right? If I have at least three to four students mm-hmm. every month in my class, I get paid the same amount of money in those three to four hours as I would an eight-hour workday. Mm. So going to that yeah. one day of work is more valuable technically than going to one day of my nine-to-five. Yes, work. yes. And those neither of those are theoretical money though. Neither of those are like, I might earn that money. When I clock out, that money is earned. Yeah. When I go to teach pottery, that money is earned. Mm-hmm. That money is counted in my math. Yeah. There is some ifs though, because it's like I think again with teaching, and these are these are like some of the things that have admittedly, okay, I'm gonna because <laughs> I feel like I'm dancing around this in my own head, is I have a resistance to teaching because A, it's something that doesn't come naturally to me, I feel like, in terms of curriculum development and actually be like being there in person takes a kind of energy that selling work from my studio does not. Yeah. Like, okay, but like with with teaching, the if is like getting people to sign up. It's just advertisement, I guess, yeah. And I think for for one of the like differences is like, I mean, not that I, I don't doubt that you would have a problem selling as many pieces. You know, like if you didn't want to teach, but you wanted to earn that same amount of income by selling pieces. Yeah. Even though that's seen as an if to you, I don't necessarily imagine that that would be a problem like i could see you selling that amount oh yeah yeah and and so like my store is empty right now it has like two teapots yeah that's great that's great hell yeah but with teaching there's still the if of like getting people to to sign up but that risk feels lower to you than selling work and doing the like just the the difficulty is just lower yes and also i do imagine there's a dimension where if no one signs up for my class Mm -hmm. i still show up and throw for three hours Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and I still have the kiln space and the equipment. Like, I just go to someone else's studio instead of mine. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know. Also, there's a, I imagine there's also a dimension where, like, 
my kiln is not as big as their kilns are. Yeah. So if I feel like throwing a really nice fancy piece, oh. I can, and I can leave it there, and I can make it a demo for the students, and I can teach them why or why not I made it this way. Yeah. But like, I'm not doing that at home. I ain't got the space to hold a two-foot vase in the corner Yeah. until I find the perfect glaze years later that I have to develop over the course of four months. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen that vase in your studio. You have. Uh, yeah. You've seen it. <laughs> two-foot vase, unglazed. You got a few of those at home. I do. I have a, a little rack of, like... Like, stuff that I like a lot, but I'll never glaze them because I don't think the glazes will ever come out good. Yeah, yeah. And so I develop another glaze, and then I go, no, it could be better. And then <laughs> I restart the cycle until... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at at, uh, at IMCO, it's like, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just stand around and hover the three students. I have, like, three students signed up. Yeah. I can't just stand around and hover and wait till they ask for my help. Like, after we're in practice mode and they've asked all their questions and we've done the presentation, I'll stop throwing and help them what they need to be helped with. Mm-hmm. But I don't imagine it's going to be three hours of constant questions. Yeah, yeah. I do imagine there's going to be some downtime. But I also don't want to leave them alone. I want to kind of keep watch over them. Yeah. And the only way to do that is just throw with them, really. Mm. I'm just going to sit down and like, okay, here's my wheel. Here's your wheel. We're going to throw together. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yoshio has uh, explained, though, for the first couple classes, you don't want to do that. Because he's like, they'll just watch you. Yeah. He's like, you don't. And then they'll copy everything you do instead of developing their own style. Uh, and he's not that's not great you don't want facsimiles of you yeah. you want to make artists not miniature use yeah yeah I uh, I ended up when I taught at Verge I like I did my demo but the rest of the time I was answering questions and helping people and I'd do, I'd do like a few things of just kind of walking walking around and like sort of hovering <laughs> but it's amazing how quickly the time goes it is you yeah. know like it is this is this is a little bit of like a um a very me thing, I guess. But I brought these, I brought these like class uh, schedules that I made for myself as I was getting ready for um, for my classes, because I wanted to have a, I wanted to have like a in person in like a schedule that I could reference okay. as the class was going on. So basically, so I had like a kind of broken down by the amount of minutes. So like this one was for the last class, but. I have like my intro, I have my reviewing of trimming, and that's broken down into the time, a glaze demo, work time, check-in and questions, handle demo, more work time, another check-in, and then thank you and clean up and et cetera, et cetera. And... It's cool that you thank them. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Of yeah. Course. You, someone's taking a class with you. You want yeah. to. Of course you want to thank them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I would, I definitely need the schedule, like the all that stuff written down in person. Yeah. How, how do you think you're going to navigate understanding what people's expectations are for the class? I've made a list. If you look at the classes, there is a list of expectations. Ooh. What are, what are some of the classes or what are some of the expectations? Everything I told you about knowing the beginning Mm -hmm. shapes. Okay. Same. Like I made like a two page thing of like, here's, I even accounted in for cleanup time. I was like 30 minutes before the class starts, we're going to clean our stuff and we're going to, we're competing with the other class. Yeah. We're leaving it cleaner than the class before us left it. Yeah. And uh, the other class is going to know they're bad at cleaning (laughs) and they're going to go home and think about it and they're going to get depression. They're going to have to get a doctor's notification oh man on oh, their depression oh, pills pretty, pretty for intense. being so bad at taking care of your own environment <laughs> yep. i love that that's love how that. good we're gonna be at cleaning yeah yeah you can you can definitely look at it and i feel like i should just drop a link right now i will try to release a youtube video in the next couple of days if not the next week of the classes so that way if anyone wants to sign up for the next round of classes next mm-hmm. month they can mm-hmm. um but there is also a, a thing where you can pay for like two months of classes and it's cheaper 
Oh, nice. It's like okay. 20 or 40 bucks cheaper to pay yeah. for like two rounds of class. Yeah. You know. Oh, how much are the classes, by the way? And how much are you getting paid for them? Like, is IMCO taking a cut? IMCO takes 50%. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was the same at Verge. And then the classes themselves are 200 Okay. for the month, which I thought was kind of expensive. I'm not going to lie to you. But then I looked at all the other classes that are being taught around the area. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> the other yeah. classes are comparable, if not more. And it's mostly, like, there's a place called Sincere Ceramics, and they're just booked all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. And yeah. so, based on supply and demand, they just keep increasing the mm-hmm. price of their classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't checked in a while, but, like, I'm sure they're expensive. I can't remember exactly how much Verge was, but, like, I don't know what the breakdown would be since I can't do mental math right now. Yeah. And, again, this was, like, what, three years ago, so the prices have probably changed. Yeah. But I had, I think, six students, and... The total amount of money that Verge took in, I think, was 800 and I got paid 400 So I don't know what the breakdown of that would be. And again, that was three years ago. But that's that's kind of, that's what my income was looking like. And from, oh, so, so they just gave you half, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 50%. Same. Yeah. For a month? For the yeah, classes? yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It was, I think it was only three classes, though. So I don't six, think it was four. six people, 800 So they it's like one something per, yeah. per month of classes. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I go back and forth all the time on whether to teach... Because for how much energy it took, like, okay, to be honest, before I took, before I taught my first class, Mm -hmm. I legit probably spent 13 hours on developing the curriculum and breaking down, like, what what each class would be. You're such a prepper. I am. Very much so. Very much so. Because... I don't know if that's a teaching thing or if that's just, like, a Lindsay thing. I'm not sure, but all I know is that it runs in the family because my mom does the same kind of thing. Definitely, yeah. Took me three hours. Oh my god! To figure, I mean, I opened up PowerPoint and I was like, "How am I going to teach them to troubleshoot a cylinder?" And then all the information that I know about troubleshooting cylinders came to my mind. And then I pulled information from my YouTube channel and from my own content. Yeah, yeah. And then I put it in a PowerPoint. And I was like, "Yep, that's it. One hour. That's uh, one class. Good. Let's go." Oh, and that's thirty minutes of teaching. So it's thirty minutes of lecture. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of it is practice. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm doing way less. Le- I'm going to be doing way less lecture than practice. I'm going to show you. I'm probably going to do a wheel demo uh-huh. or two. I'm probably going to do a lecture, 30 minutes, and then the rest of it's going to be like, Practicing. now try what I just showed you yeah, and yeah. put into practice what I just showed. But there's no way I would make a 13 hours. There's no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I needed I needed a lot of, like, because again, my, my biggest concern was having the class structured in a way that people would especially for some for like folks who have never been on the wheel before. Yeah. I'm like, how do I make this so that they walk away with the tools to like, cause for instance, Verge has a thing where you can take the class that is, you know, like has an instructor and is, you know, more structured, but they also have like a dropping class mm-hmm. that you can take. So I, which is like, it has people who kind of oversee it, but it's not as much one-on-one instruction. It's kind of more like an open studio time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, how can I, how can I prep these students to have all the tools they need to be able to leave this class and go into the drop-in studio time and be able to continue what they were working on and basically have the skills to, to keep doing what they want to be doing on the wheel. Mm-hmm. But the time management, I think, for me was the biggest thing because I think there's at least, you know, for, for me, like there's a lot of little things that can stack up mm-hmm. like like an intro. Like when I first did the class, I didn't think about the need to like introduce myself other than like, hey, I'm Lindsay, right? But then again, because 
bless my mom, she she is an instructor. She's a professor at Sac State. So she's like, okay, well, let's let's have you considered having a bit more of a introduction to kind of for people who may not know you? Because again, this situation is different because people who sign up for your class at IMPCO probably already know you as like Earth Nation Ceramics, right? But for me, like with Verge, because Verge already had a more established routine of like offering beginning ceramics classes mm-hmm. it was kind of like well whoever's teaching it is whoever's teaching it potentially right um like i don't have as much like social clout i guess i'd say to to draw that people to draw a bunch of people in yeah so what like it's little things like i wanted to ultimately have an introduction that gives people the confidence in me as an instructor because i would want to know that whoever's teaching this class is qualified to do so, right? And it's not like I have a teaching credential. So it's like, all right, how do I introduce people to who I am in a, in a way that gives them confidence that I'm going to be able to help them meet their goals? Yeah. Another thing I did was, which I showed I showed you earlier as well, is I had... Yeah, a survey. I had an introduction to wheel throwing little survey. So I asked people to put down their name. What inspired you to sign up for this class? Do you have any past experience working in clay? At the end of the session, what would success look like for you? Are there any physical considerations that would be helpful for me to know so that I can help you be successful in this class? Um, Like, you know... You're much better than... (laughs) And then the last one was, what, if anything more, would you like to know about me? I I would... My my survey would be like, did you learn what you were supposed to learn? (laughs) Yes. Do you like me? And then it'd be scratched out. I don't give a shit. (laughs) If you like me, I need you to learn. (laughs) The goal one's good, though. Like, did you reach your goal? And if yeah. they say no, then I'd be like, what was your goal to begin with? Yeah. And then we got to go through the, yeah. I don't know. And I'm like, ah, that's the problem. You don't know. Well, I think that is kind of, I think that's okay. I think not really knowing is potentially all right. Now, again, maybe maybe it's different for like an intermediate class versus beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, this kind of information for me, I like, I, I want to go into a situation knowing as much as I can so that I can... I guess, control the situation or guide the situation the way that I want it to go. And for me, that means, big shock to our listeners, that means having a lot of prep material. That means spending a lot of, you know, time taking notes and like doing all these different things. And yeah. I just do the Batman where I'm like, okay, we have a plan (laughs) that we're going to, we're going to, right? And then if that plan goes, we have a backup plan. Ah, yes, yes. That's it. That takes experience and confidence to know how to do. That takes, uh, like, yeah, like, here's, I know how to make a cylinder. Yeah. I know the things that are up with a cylinder. Mm -hmm. I know how to fix most of them, okay? Today, we're going to learn how to make a proper cylinder. If you can't even make a cylinder, the backup plan is we're going back to step one. What do you do if there's only one person in the class who has that problem and everybody else is advanced? Then I'm going to have to give them special attention after the lecture. Okay, yeah. It's going to be like, hey, me and you are going to, I'm going to concentrate on you for a bit. What tends to help me and this might be a bit of an off branch from the conversation mm-hmm. is that when i was being a ta with yoshio mm-hmm. some people don't have the kinetic intelligence or the physical intelligence oh yeah, yeah. because realistically there's like 11 di- that i can think of there's like 11 different types of learning styles or intelligences in the world and i'm very physical and spatial but like People, some people don't have that. Some people are auditory. Some people are visual. Yeah, yeah. Some, some folks are, who are not, like, used to working with their hands yes. are going to be like, 
What do? Why? What do? Yeah. How do with hands? How do? How do you get that? It's because I get information from physically touching something yeah. that other people wouldn't be able to translate into their, their minds and bodies or muscle memory. Yeah. So what really helped me is to show a beginner that was struggling is I would put water in them and I wouldn't get behind them. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, not, not that's gonna, ghosting. Not going to Patrick Swayze this. Not going to ghost him, but I would say... All hail my... our patron saint, Demi Moore. <laughs> I would put my hands on their hands and go, this is what it feels like to center. And then yeah. I would just center for them. Yeah. And so many of them were like, oh, <laughs> that's what that feels like. And I go, yeah. And if they're kinetic learners uh-huh. or they're physical learners at all, their brain just goes, okay, if that's what it's supposed to feel like, my goal is to make it feel like that again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then from that point on, I teach them how to better center or how to mm-hmm. quicker, quickly center, you know? Yeah. But like... Yeah, I need people to learn how to... Like, we just did a, a video on YouTube on how to cone up and down. Because mm-hmm. it's essentially a continuation of wedging, but on yeah, the wheel. Yeah, And then I told them, like, this is the reason why we do that. Here's how to troubleshoot it. And then I told them, later on, you're going to need to know how to cone up and down in order to throw off the hump. Yeah. And that's kind of my teaching style. Is like, you need to know how to wedge before you get to coning up and down. You need to know how to cone up and down before you know how to throw off a hump. Yeah. You need to know how to throw off <laughs> it, a hump. It scaffolds. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it stacks. And, like... I, I meet a few people who are like, I just want to know how to throw off the hump. And I'm like, all right, well, do you know how to do those other two things that usually take years to know? Mm. No. Okay, we're going back to those. We're going, okay. we got we got to go backwards now, you know? You know how to run? No. Well, I'm not, I'm not letting you get in the car. You're not driving a car if you can't run. You know how to ride a bike? No. I'm not giving you a motorcycle. It's not, it's not happening. I, I, I'm not quite sure on the running versus driving no, I, metaphor. Yeah, if you can't run but... Hussein Bolt style, you can't drive a car. Oh my god. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> this is a little bit this is a little bit branching off, but would you Branch. Do branch. do the tree dance. I'ma do the tree. Um <laughs> I don't know what that is. Would you ever consider offering private like one on one lessons? No. Why? Not at this moment, no. Mm. Why? Because I hate people. You're literally going to be teaching a class. What makes a difference if it's one person versus a class? Yeah, but if there's a crowd of people, I can regulate. Like, they understand that we're, we we have to be paying attention. Ah. But, like, as a person, as one person, they just, like, I don't know. There's too much regulation of energy and, mm. and I don't know. Yeah. It's, what, what if I, I've, been, I've been in a studio before where there's just one super effing annoying person. There's just one person mm. that everyone's like, oh, this bitch is here. Mm. All right, everybody. All right, and they're just loud and annoying. I'm like, what if I get that one-on-one person? I don't know. I think I just have bad experiences with certain people, and my brain goes, "It's only a lottery system chance away for me to land that one person who has yeah. money, but not any of the work ethic or energy it takes to to make this happen." Yeah, part of part of me has has worried about that too with one-on-one because I like okay. when I've brought in friends to the studio to like show them how to throw. I I really enjoy it. Like I I like I like being able to show so, like to be able to have someone go from literally having never touched clay in their life yes. to making a little bowl. Yes. Even if it's a funky little bowl. It's amazing. You know, it's like, "Hey, like you did it. Like look at this thing you made. This is amazing, right?" Like I love that. But I definitely have this like anxiety about like what if I don't vibe with the with my student? And it's like realistically I could always just say no. Say it's like, hey, like I appreciate your patronage, but I don't think this is gonna. I don't think this is gonna work long term. Anyway, I'd have to figure out a, a graceful way to break up with them. You kind of suck um, as a person. Oh my god, 
I just don't, I don't, I don't even think it's a me thing. I don't think I don't want to be around you. I think most people don't. In like, <laughs> I think in your friend group, they're the people that go hang out and don't tell you on purpose. Aww. But there's always that one friend who's like, oh, we got to bring him because he's part of the group. And everyone's like, yeah, we only bring him because you like him and we like more you more than we like him. So oh, okay. uh, I remember, I'm going to, I'm going to say her name and everything. Don't it, say It's her not name. a real name. That's what oh, I'm going to okay. say. But I remember like five years ago, I told you about this lady. Mm. Her name is she she messaged me and she goes, hey, would you ever be interested in, in teaching uh, how to like make glazes? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe at some point. And she goes, good, I'll pay you and you'll come over here. And, and I was like, no. And she goes, what do you mean no? And I was like, no. I mean, I can help you as much as I can help you from here. I can give you information. Mm-hmm. She goes, no, I need a teacher. I need someone to, to come teach me. Yeah. And I was like, where do you live? I was just entertaining the idea of it. Yeah. You know? And she lives, like, in the hills of Roseville. Oh, God. And I was like... That's too far. Yeah, I was like, no. And she goes, I'll pay you. And I was like, first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, you have to pay me a large amount. Third of all, I had work in the morning. She goes, you can spend the night. And I was like, oh! I was like, no. Just no. And it's, if I said no enough times, I could tell she was getting heated. She went into this, like, you are going to end up poor and starving and no one's going to like your channel. And one day you're going to remember, I offered you money <gasps> to teach me to do the thing you already like to do in the first place. Anyway, I don't even know why I'm paying you. And you, n- your work wow. sucks. And I was like, this is the reason I said no. is because I can already feel that you suck as a person. Oh, wow. That's super. I still up. have the messages to him. I saved him because I was like, people like this exist. She yeah, was, that's that's super messed up. She's just never been told no before in her life, I think. And she's like, I have money. No one says no to me. Mm. And I was like, I'm I'm gonna. I also wasn't that good at making glazes back then. I was like mid. I was like, I can make glazes, but I'm not into the chemistry yet. I'm really, I'm always worried I'm going to get that, that person who's like, I paid you to teach me how, now teach me. And I'm like, I'm trying, but you suck. <laughs> uh. Not even skillfully. You just, you just kind of have the wrong mentality to improve anything about your life. And you think that paying someone immediately does that. And that's not how the way, the way life works. Yeah. People just don't respect you because you give them money. And I, I remember her being out there. And so every time someone's like, do you teach private classes? I'm like, <laughs> no, because you might be a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. want to say, yes, show up and figure out your later on after you've paid me. Because then there was a contractual obligation to finish the courses. I would much rather just tell you no now well i mean realistically you could you could do a thing where you you know yeah you could you could say i am able to end this instructional course at any point and refund you the amount you are owed you know i mean there's that's the nice thing is that like you know you can structure it any way you want to that's true i have a, a fair number of artist friends like particularly in the critique group that i'm a part of where like all of them teach workshops basically mm-hmm. and I've never, I've never taught a workshop and... I would teach a workshop. What's that? I would teach a workshop. Yeah. If I could, because they're just concentrated lessons. Yeah. I'd be cool. I would, I could see you doing that very easily with stamps. Very easily. Yeah, actually, yeah. And red wash. I I, I wonder, I could see potentially doing that if, if I ended up using a space like Alpha or something like that or Verge, you know, if I did something where... Where I had, like, more space. Because I think, like, my studio space as it is, is not really... Like, I could see my space working for one-on-one lessons, but my space is too small and not, in my mind, like, nice enough to, like, have, like, a full-blown workshop. But having yeah. something at at an instructional facility, 
I think for me, the biggest thing would be finding out a price point that like it basically that makes it worth my time. Of course. I find it interesting too, because I feel like we both have these ideas of like promised money versus like potential money. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting to like where that lands for each of us, because I'm not really worried. I'm lucky enough to not have to worry as much about like being able to sell my work because so far my main issue has been making enough to meet the demand. I'm very lucky to be in that position. I I never want to take that for granted. And yeah, I don't know. I guess I, as you know, and our listeners probably know by now, have a lot of inertia around certain things, like the idea of integrating, doing a workshop or teaching another class, like integrating that into the schedule that I'm already in. I don't know. It's interesting, but I'm really, I'm curious to see how your teaching experience goes and maybe it'll inspire me to... To, uh, I don't know, look into it a little bit more because well, I, I think what's what's nice is that in some ways teaching feels like a good, like kind of like you're saying, it's like diversifying your income portfolio. Yes, yeah. So. I think for me, it, it's inevitable. Mm. Like at some point I will have to do in real life the thing that I've been doing online forever. And then I would just require more money. And that's what I'm doing now because mm-hmm. YouTube takes so much effort. YouTube takes like 13 hours to do one video, right? But the dividends that I get from YouTube monetization, no matter how stable it is with YouTube's system mm-hmm. and economy, gives me like a small amount per every view. Yeah. And then it only really works if people interact. So if right. they like and subscribe and all that and comment and all that junk, then I get more interaction. Yeah. Um, and even then I would have to tag certain like, uh, like Amico. Mm-hmm. I have to tag, like, their glazes and whatnot yeah. in my stuff. So people click on a link, and then the YouTube goes, they clicked on the link, they have a higher chance of, like, there's cents, pennies on the dollar, right? Yeah, yeah. But with classes, I go and I do the thing that I'm already doing on YouTube mm-hmm. for more money. To be fair, and I, this is a very, I don't like talking like this, but this might be from previous experiences in my life mm-hmm. from thinking about like living paycheck to paycheck yeah i would always think if i work this many hours per week i make this much money with this amount of taxes taken out this pays for my rent and my food and my gas yeah that is pro like after i clock out that goes into calculations yeah that's promised money i am getting that money unless yeah. something goes horribly wrong yeah but with making a bunch of work it takes little bits of episodes an episodic amount of work mm-hmm. in order to continue that flow of money and it's not like it's promised. It's like people might buy it based on... Not, yeah. Yeah. As if tomorrow Jake Paul releases a YouTube video about a dead body in the forest, all the ad revenue from YouTube goes down. Mm. Because advertisers pull their stuff because there's now a negative connotation for society mixed in with YouTube and advertisements. Oh. So my dividends go down from YouTube. That's yeah. like that's like theoretical money, yeah. right? But when I go to a nine to five and I clock out... that money is mine. And if it's not mine, I'm throwing the biggest fuss. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same thing with these classes. If I go to these classes and I teach you, no matter what your experience is, even though it's my goal is to make it a good experience, my brain goes that that amount of money is, I can calculate it and it is coming to me sooner or later. Yeah. Like, and I can count on it, but with YouTube and like little Digimon cups, I feel like making. Hmm. I, it's not sold yet. It's in my hands. It's, yeah. it's a physical item, but it's not. It's theoretical money based on the amount of advertisement I push in front of your face. Yeah. And that's. I think that's one of the reasons I'm so uncomfortable with um, with like posting and advertising all the time, mm-hmm. is because it's just theoretical money being put out there. It's little hooks, and for me to catch the fish mm-hmm. of money on and like 
I don't know. TikTok and Reels are king and queen right now, of course. But yeah, you know, yeah. I my brain just goes. I made the thing. If you like it, just buy it. Just go to my website and buy it. You know. Yeah. And that's that way. I don't know. I'm old. No, I'm, I mean, I'm old. It. I I hear it. I mean, like I I think, kind of like what we've talked about on certain episodes before. We all have our own disposition towards certain things. Yeah. Like to me advertising and promoting myself comes more easily than teaching does. Right. I enjoy teaching, but I would, you know, it, it, it but the, the, uh, the emotional cost is higher. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I find <laughs> what I'm enjoying about this conversation is that it shows all of the different ways that people who are wanting to make a living doing art, all the little variables in the mass equation of, making a living Mm -hmm. like there's so many different variables and i'm i enjoy that because we're kind of both finding ways to make it work in some way or another but our variables are all different not only in terms of our own personal disposition of what we enjoy doing and what comes more easily for us Mm -hmm. but also you know how we are structuring our time and our risk assessment and our uh diversifying yeah. our por- income portfolio like ah i also just listened to this whole like series on investing so now i'm like diversify your portfolio you know so anyway that's my closing statement even in the in the world of youtube like youtubers talking about how unsafe or how theoretical the money is for youtube mm-hmm. just because it goes to these highs and lows based on the seasons and yeah. based on you know like i like to sell cups little images on them yeah. right but if tomorrow they come out with a new study Talking about how, like, clay is somehow super damaging to the environment more so than, like, cars. <laughs> and, like, that goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we don't have control over every single news outlet, you know? So it's like, I don't know. Everything's theoretical with a certain amount of threat to it. Yeah. Just like your job. If your job goes down, that money is no longer realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you get laid off. Yeah, even YouTubers are like, I take sponsorships, even though you hate the advertisements on the screen because it pays me more than YouTube it will. And yeah. that is promised money. That's yeah. somebody going, I will give you money to say my name on screen. Say my name, say my name. When no one's around you. Say baby, I love you. Yeah, if you ain't playing games. <laughs> <laughs>